Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by Stacy Honke. Stacy is the author of the book, Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be, Monday to Monday. She's also the co-author of the book, Yes, You Can, Everything You Need from A to Z to Influence Others to Take Action. We're going to talk about the biggest misconception people have about influence, the three key elements that can really handcuff your ability to influence others, and then specific ways that you can get input and advice to shape how you appear to other people. You're going to learn a ton from Stacy Honky. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. Can you start by sharing with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? <laughs> that I live at the gym when I'm not in planes, airports, taxis, or wherever I'm at. I've, I've been teaching. I'm embar- kind of embarrassed to say how long. 20, probably 25 years now, I've been teaching fitness classes. So I've gone through all the the old crazy stuff that doesn't work to now finally we're very smart about how we teach those classes. So most people don't realize that's what I do on the side often. You know what? I did not realize that. I mean, I knew that you were a a fitness nut. I didn't realize that you were teaching these classes. Yeah. yeah. I I like to say it, it truly is. The only time of day where I'm not thinking a lot about work. And, and I know it's one of the few things that we can do for ourselves and just create, well, I don't believe in balance, but just create in the stamina, especially, you know, you live on the road, that the stamina that it takes to be jumping from airports and planes and taxis, the, the stamina that that requires, it, it, it has helped me immensely. I've, I've been trying to get very conscious of one thing when it comes to a, a fitness regimen, which is when I work out with my trainer and he looks at the log of what I've done a couple of weeks ago, he looks, he says, why do you keep doing these exercises that just isolate one muscle? I want you to do stuff that, that fires a bunch of things at once. Yeah. I looked at him. I said, Gil, you're somehow under the impression that I consciously was doing something to focus on one muscle. I have no idea, dude. We've been doing this for a while. And until you said it just now, it did not occur to me that that's what I was doing. I said, and I sit there and I I do my workouts on my own. And I think, wow, I worked out the same amount of time as I did with Gil. But man, with Gil, I was spent. And now I feel like, yeah, I'm okay at a workout, but it wasn't anything rigorous. And now I understand why. He's like, yeah, so this exercise we just did. It's it's working out five different muscle groups at the time. You're just doing one. Yes. Oh, oh okay. Well, now I know. So it just well, shows it that people like- need a guide. Yes, yes, we do. Especially with that, because the body is very complex. And a, you don't want to hurt anything. But b, none of us have extra time in our day. You want to make sure that when you are at the gym or your home gym, you're, you're doing what is providing value, and, and you see the results. Yeah, I um, I, I was I, I had two events this week where I was speaking, and after the after the one, went back to the hotel and I said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I'm going to the gym because I have to." It's, yeah. For for me, it's it's not only mentally but physically. I just you know there are some people who have metabolisms that are not very efficient, so they burn a lot. I always claim that I have a highly efficient metabolism, so. <laughs> <laughs> My body, unfortunately, does not burn nearly as much as I would like to eat, and we're working on that. And, and, and though though many people would bring you on for your depth of expertise in fitness, 
I have asked you for a different reason. Yes. What's the greatest misconception that people have when it comes to influence? It's the definition of it. Okay. In the old school, the old way is whenever I have a high-stakes sales pitch, I have a high-stakes conversation with the board, whatever it might be, I practice and I turn it on. To me, influence is so much more than that. And it's making sure that body language messaging, they're consistent Monday to Monday. The second side to that is having the ability to drive people to take action long after the interaction has occurred. So tell and me what it, you mean by that, that, that idea of of encouraging them to take action long after the interaction has occurred. What do you mean? Yeah, and I bet you can understand this based on your work history, your listeners' history is I'll give you an example. Someone sees you and I speak at an event, at a conference. And whatever we said, however we made them feel, the impact that we left with them, they call us maybe a year later and say, you know, I saw you a year ago and your message really resonated with me. At that time, we didn't have a spot to bring you in. We're ready now. And to me, that's absolutely essential in the sales environment because you and I both know, I mean, rarely does a sales sale land for me on the very first initial cold call or even warm lead. It's several calls after that. And I know that every interaction that client has with me is going to help them determine, is this someone I trust? Most importantly, is this someone I want to partner with in the long run? And, and I think that there's something that in, in your book, in Influence Redefined, what caught me was that so often people think about our body language, they think about our tone, and you actually talk to even broader communication beyond in-person communication, and you talk about how you're communicating and how you're influencing via text, email, and the like. So tell me a little bit about that. That's where it ties to my comment earlier in this interview with Monday to Monday. I think another misperception is people hide behind email. They hide behind Facebook, their tweets. They don't realize that anything that is sent out from them that has their name attached to it, it's constantly being evaluated, which then leads to what type of reputation that they have. To me, this idea of Monday to Monday really is creating a consistent brand that no matter who you're interacting with, no one ever has to guess who's going to show up. They always get Ian. They always get you. And they know what to expect. To me, when that consistency of a brand gets developed, which is really your reputation, that's where the trust starts to get built onto because they know what they're going to get. It's similar to our mentality of any of your favorite brands. I frequently hear people say Apple, Nike, Starbucks, whatever it is. Any company who's successful, a big proponent to that is they understand brand loyalty. You go to an Apple store because you you trust the product. You know what quality you're going to get. That, to me, is the same concept of making sure that how people experience you, how the message comes across, what they get from you, meaning value, needs to be consistent in all mediums that you're interacting through. And, and Stacey, one of the things that I, I remember when I was reading the book, one of the things that stood out to me is you shared a story, and I'm putting you on the spot because I know as an author, sometimes I forget some of the stories <laughs> that I put in the book. But but I'm guessing this one you'll remember, which was okay. some somebody who I think they were an event organizer, and the communication you had with them in person was totally different than the communication you had with them via text. 
And so the, and the person, oh, the person yes. basically, everything was very terse via mm-hmm. text, yes. but they were very warm and, and welcoming in person. Yes, I remember that. It was leading up to an event talking to, I'll just refer to her as, a, she was a meeting planner. She was my contact. And every time we would talk via email, just real hardcore, it, almost coming across very abrasive, where I started to second guess, oh, is this someone I want to partner with? Is it really worth it? We even had gotten on a call before that event same feeling. Then I meet her. She is completely different, just kind and genuine. Now, here's the kicker. I had left something, some equipment behind. And on my way to the airport, I quick text. I did a quick text to her to let her know I was coming back to pick it up. And same person that I had met in that first initial text. And that's what I mean by you start getting people to guess who's going to show up. They never know who's going to interact with them on an email, a virtual call, a hallway conversation back at the corporate office. When you get people guessing, that's when they start guessing, is this someone I can trust? And I keep bringing up trust because I think trust is out of every adjective. Trust really is the adjective that sits right below right below influence as if there was a ladder that was built with all the adjectives leading up to trust or leading up to influence. If that's broken, people have way too many options of other people that they want to follow, other companies that they want to partner with. And I think a lot of times our body language and our messaging creates a distraction, encouraging our listeners to do anything but listen to us, much less be influenced by us. You know, it's it's great insight. I think about there's there's two things that stand out for me. One is when somebody's speaking and they have all these stop words that are getting in the way of their message. Oftentimes people say, well, that's just the way I speak. And what I'll say to them is, yeah, but the problem <laughs> is that's not the way that people listen. So yes. they're processing the us and the ums and trying to figure out. And if every once in a while one drops in there, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But if it happens to be in the middle of every sentence, all of a sudden, we've all done it. We're all guilty of it. I'm not proud of it. But I have sat in the audience with someone who is un-umming us to, to death, and I start tabulating how many. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, they're up to 107. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you got side action going with your friends. The over and under is 700. People are saying, how long is the talk? 12 minutes. No one takes the under. It's that, never a good true. sign. That's true. And, and you're, you're a prime example. If you're counting filler words, you're not paying attention to half of what's going on. Frequently, in, Ian, I hear people say, well, that, that's just how I am. Well, here's the deal. Are you happy with the results you're getting? And if you are, then just keep doing it. If not, like any athlete mindset or any actor, actress, musician, they understand that no matter how good they are today, tomorrow's another day to get better. Yeah, the, the other thing that struck me is – you're talking about consistency and in the book in, – so in, in Influence Redefined, you talk about how important it is for people to be consistent. And I remember this when um, – after, after I sold my, uh, my prior businesses, I spent some time as president of a country club, which sounds like a good idea. But if you want to take <laughs> something you enjoy and learn to hate it, volunteer to run it. Uh-huh. And, um, and in the process, we were hiring a general manager. And – so we were, we were interviewing half a dozen different candidates, and the one thing that stood out for me in the candidate we ultimately hired was that his emails 
had the same tone and courtesy as his in-person conversations and as his phone conversations. Mm-hmm. So everyone else would – they would send a text that would say, hey, Tuesday at 10 a.m., and that would be it, which granted a lot of people prefer that kind of staccato communication mm-hmm. in uh, electronically. But every email would would be addressed, dear Mr. Altman, I hope you're having a great day today. But And then he would get into the issue, and he always had that little courtesy. And not only did I notice it. But I realized that I started parroting it back. So I would I would send a note that says, "Dear Eric, thank you so much for sending me the note. Right? I hope you're doing well, and you know, in your town. I hope Lee is doing well. Who's his wife? It's like, right? And it just it created this level of civility. But what it also made me feel was that we're getting that what we're seeing in person is the real deal. This is he's yes. not just turning it on or off to appease us. This is the way he's wired." Yeah. Is that is that part of what you're getting That's at with exactly consistency? It. That's exactly it. And and I'm so blown away, Ian. You know, everything that we do based on how we act, how we show up, how we stay showed up at, during that interaction and what we leave behind, we can control that. Excuse me. We can control the reputation that people build around us. What I'm blown away with is we're so clueless. The majority of us are clueless of how do you truly come across and the fact that your name is on everything that you do, don't you want to know? Don't you want to know what others are saying behind your back that you may not even be in relationship to? And, and this is important because we truly are living in a whole new world of work called noise. I mean, 24-7, we are constantly receiving messages. And so are those individuals that you're trying to influence. It is making it that much more difficult to really be heard above the noise. Here's the important part to be memorable. Because if influence is that definition of driving influence, driving action long after the interaction has occurred, how are you going to stand out from the noise? And it's not just going to be your message. It's going to be how does the message, how does the way that you deliver, even if it's through an email, how does it make people feel? Because if they're not liking it, they have way too many other choices to go a different direction. If you don't already have your copy of the new Same Side Selling 2nd Edition, the one with the red cover, then visit samesideselling.com or go to any place books are sold. And if you do already have your copy, I would be amazingly grateful if you took the time to post an honest review on Amazon. What are the biggest traps that you see people falling into when it comes to influence? What are those things that they don't even realize are holding them back. Lack of adaptability. And I I bet all of your listeners can relate to this. How many times have you been in a meeting of some sort? The individuals leading the meeting is so caught up in their own dialogue that they're not resonating with the listeners. There's no interaction. It is all about them. And you can tell, I think your listeners are less forgiving when they can tell you haven't prepared and when you're not adapting to what's important to them. That is that is basic one-on-one communication. We all know it, but we don't do it. That would be the first one. Okay. Second one was what you were leaning into earlier, lack of brevity. We love to say too much and waste people's time. It's really being able to take the time to think through what do you need to say What do you want to say to drive the action and build the relationship? Now, those two tie together because if you're not taking that moment to always be thinking on your feet, 
in between your sentences, your thoughts, what, what your key points, you're not able to adapt because you're not able to really pay attention to who's in front of you or who's on the other side of the line. The, the third one, if I, if I broke it down to three, sure. the third one, we were touching on the word trust earlier. I really believe we're losing the connection and engagement. I believe we, we are fighting for the competition of eyeballs because half the world is constantly doing something else, looking at emails, looking at their phone. And we're, we're just always in a hurry of what's next, what's next, what's next, that we're not taking the time to truly look people dead in the eye, have purpose behind every interaction, make them feel like they're the most important person in the room because they're not necessarily getting it consistently from other others. That skill set alone will make you stand out which means it makes you memorable i i I love the point that i love the point that you make about people when they are on their mobile phone and they tell the other person no no go on i'm I'm listening to you when 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 the other person can't possibly feel that they are they're not so talk talk a little bit about that and the misconception or notion of multitasking And I wish I had the documentation in front of me, and so I don't know if this counts. I I had come across documentation, it was research, that was done about attention spans, children versus an adult. And they, they categorized a child 13 and under, adult 13 and above. And they defined attention span is you understand the why behind the words that are spoken. You're you're in the here and now. The study shared that the average attention span of an adult, as described as I just defined it, up to age 13 is six seconds. The average attention span of an adult, did I say child? Child is six seconds? Of an adult is eight seconds. The study went on to say that when we're constantly multitasking, for example, you send an email, then you quick talk to someone in the hallway, then you quick take a call, whatever it might be, you're constantly going back and forth in a task, it will take you up to five minute increments to always refocus on the task at hand. And and there's been numerous studies that I've come across that states it doesn't matter what generation you are, we cannot multitask effectively which means understanding the why behind the hurt words, really hearing and understanding what's happening. Now, we can multitask. The kicker there is we, we cannot do it effectively. Exactly. And, and, and part of it is a function of, look, if you're, if, if you're doing a pretty well menial task and answering a phone call and um, putting, you know, for example, if you were putting – labels on paper, just sticking, you know, taking a sticker and putting it on a, on a sheet of paper and answering phone calls at the same time, maybe not a big deal. If you're doing something that requires thought, um, I forget who it was who mentioned this, but they said, look, so if, if it would take you 10 minutes to do this effectively, when you multitask, it could take you 30 minutes, but you somehow believe that while I was doing all these things together, it would work. The broader message that I got from what you write about is that Look, the other people you're trying to influence, when you say, oh, yeah, I'm just checking my phone for this or that, what, the, what you're signaling to them is you're not important to me. I'm not really here even though you see me here. Exactly. So, gee, I don't really have a lot of influence right now because I'm making myself irrelevant. And what also does not count 
when you're at a meeting, you're at lunch, brunch, dinner, whatever it might be, and you've got your phone sitting on the table, but you flip it over. It doesn't count. <laughs> you're, you're still communicating. Well, just in case something comes in. And, and this goes back to this whole idea of reputation. And, and, and you get to decide this. That This is the good news. You get to decide the reputation that people create of you every day. If you want the reputation that you're always busy, that you always come first, that you, you don't have time for anyone else, then go for it. Keep doing it. What I'm just coming in and saying, if you truly want this idea of influence Monday to Monday, not Monday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Thursday, you really have to be all in and paying attention to what's around you. Because when you don't pay attention to what's around you, you're going to miss significant cues from body language as well as messaging from that person you're trying to influence that really helps you adapt that message on the fly. Without adaptability, it's hard to drive a message home. That's cool. So so the three I had were lack of adaptability, um, lack of brevity, and then losing connection or engagement. Yes. So right now people are saying, okay, I get those. So what do I do to work on those? Mm-hmm. The first thing, and, and you'll, you'll hear me say this constantly, you see it all throughout the book. The best advice I can give to your listeners, two things. First, start audio and recording yourself. Because we can sit here and talk about brevity and look people dead in the eye. I think it's absolutely useless until you get a chance to experience yourself through the eyes and ears of your listeners. That's step number one. And once you do that... Keep recording yourself as much as possible. Do it on your phones. We've, we've got the capability. Sure. The second step is finding individuals in your life that will not sugarcoat the feedback. Individuals who truly will tell you if you ask them, say you're going into a meeting. I, I believe in preparing for the feedback to truly get feedback you can develop off of. Say, for example, before this call, before this interview, Ian, I wanted to get feedback from you. I may have set it up with, Ian, here's what I'm working on. I would list that out to you. Here's how I want to come across. Would you give me feedback when we're done with the interview? Now, if you saw my computer monitor at my desk, it's post-it notes everywhere. And it's all the feedback that I get from my accountability partners within my company to constantly remind me, what am I working on? What am I working on? Without those two, you're just going to keep going through life, going off of how you feel when you communicate rather than what fact states. Fact is the perception. It's the reputation that people create of you. And so many times people will say to me, well, when I know what to say, I, I don't use filler words. I have brevity. I, I communicate all the time. I always challenge that until you can really experience yourself through the eyes and ears of your listeners. Save that comment until you get a chance to experience. There, there is a – when it, when it comes to brevity, and, and just hitting on both of these – the audio video recording, getting that honest feedback, and then how it ties into brevity. There's a signature story I tell in my keynotes that used to be 12 minutes long. And it got a huge audience response. And I was working with Michael and Amy Port at Heroic Public Speaking, going through their A-lister program. And Michael says, it's an awesome story. It needs to be shorter. And I, like many other people, said it can't be shorter. Uh, I mean, there's nothing we can cut out. Everything needs to be in there. And I happen to be doing A-lister with a couple friends who have we've spoken together many times on the same stages. And they said, oh, yeah, that story kills. I wouldn't change a thing. The story is now four and a half minutes, and it is way better than it ever was at 12 minutes. Yes. 
But it wasn't until we recorded it and at each little bit said, what would the audience miss if that wasn't there? We said, mm, mm-hmm. nothing. Kill it. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's, let's watch the four and a half minute video and see what we're missing. And the first thought was, what if we could cut it to four? <laughs> so true. You know, and, and we all have to speak from experience, right? Because I will never claim to be perfect with any of these skills. It's, it's a, that's what makes it hard, Ian. Influence is a constant practice. You, you can't listen to a podcast or read my book and suddenly you're more influential. It, it's not going to happen. It's the tools that you have to keep working on. And I, w- I was challenged. This was right before I had met you a couple of weeks ago in person. I was challenged with my very first, it had been a long time to do a 30-minute talk. And most of the talks you and I both live are 60 minutes, 90 minutes. I remember back in early part of my career thinking, what am I going to say for 60 minutes? How am I going to fill <laughs> 60 minutes? Well, now it's more, how am I going to keep it to 60 minutes? When I worked with my speech coach on creating a 30-minute talk, I sweat through that a lot. That was challenging. I finished 29 minutes. And I remember walking off stage thinking, <laughs> why do I ever need to do a 60-minute talk again? Yeah. And it probably was the best talk I've ever given. And it, it goes back to brevity. When, when you have the brevity, what you do say will always have more impact because you leave all the extra stuff, the words that don't have context. When you leave those out, that's where brevity exists. And that's what your listeners are going to latch onto. The more we speak, the more we confuse which sometimes leads to listeners' frustrations. Yep. I also love how in the book you talk about this idea that in most cases what people need to do is speak less. So the, the funny part about that is that <laughs> I guarantee people are thinking, wait a minute, how can I influence if I'm not the one speaking? Yes. But talk about that a little bit. I'll give an example. If I'm trying to influence you, Ian, I'm going to have more influence on you by you doing more of the talking, like this is to me a sales 101, correct? Exactly. The more that yep. you talk, I'm just listening to every possible keyword, anything that you're passionate about, what's important to you. And I am making my message, my product, my service, whatever I'm trying to pitch you, I am making that all about you. When I go in there and I just dump the world of knowledge on you, the years of experience you have, you miss out opportunities of what do they really want? I always use the analogy when I'm working with sales professionals. If you're selling a bottle of water, the exact same bottle of water, if you're selling it the exact same way to every client, you are so missing the boat. You're missing half of that opportunity, over half of that opportunity of what's really important. So saying less every time that you're pausing and allowing your listener to speak. You're really thinking about what can I say, what is important to them, how can I change this message on the fly? That's a big part of adaptability. Yep, and I think that I think that one of the things that I find is your clients will choose you because of how well they feel you understand their situation, yes. not because of how much cool stuff you shared with them. And I think that's often lost on people. I think this gives us some structure and format around it so that people can work on improving their influence with other people, not just in those high pressure moments, but as you say, Monday to Monday. That's it. And I, and I joke about this next comment I am going to make yet. It's, it's so true. It is a lot easier to say less. 
There's been numerous times, Ian, I bet you can totally relate to this. There's been times if I, when I can hit that right open-ended question at the beginning of my sales calls, the client ends up doing most of the talking and on numerous occasions, they sell themselves exactly to partner with us. And it's you love, just sit back and let that unfold. It's exactly what happens and it's a lesson everybody needs to learn. So, Stacey, what's the best way for people to connect with you and to learn more about what you're doing? Thank you for asking that. Well, one of my goals is to really be a resource, whether I meet you or not. Therefore, we never sell on social media. We pump resources out there. It's almost as if we're your accountability partner from afar. You can find all of the social media that we're involved with on our website. It's Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N. K-E-I-N-C dot com. And of course, we will have that in the show notes. So that way people don't have to worry about capturing it. Just hit the um, hit which, whatever iTunes or whatever player you're using it in. You can see the show notes there or at ianaltman.com and just go to the episode for this podcast and the show notes will be there. So, Stacy, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom on this. I, I think it gives people a totally different perspective and truly redefines influence for them. And I hope that people run out and grab a copy of influence redefined, connect with you and improve the way they influence other people. That's it. The whole idea of this was to give them a concept and idea, even if they take one idea back with themselves or their sales teams. Thank you, Ian, for trusting me with your listeners. Of course. Stacy shares such great information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information you can use and apply to your business right away. First, influence is not something you can turn on or turn off during high-stakes moments. Instead, it comes down to a practice that involves Monday to Monday where you're not hiding behind email or other communication. Instead, you're letting your influence stand out front. The three keys to what hold people back are lack of adaptability lack of brevity, and losing a connection or engagement with others. And in terms of advice, wherever you can, capture recordings of yourself, video and audio, and solicit honest feedback about where you can actually improve. Remember, this show gets direction from you, the listener. If you think there's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customers.